listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today for a half hour of The Lighter Side. I'm Jerry Podgorski. I'm going to start today's readings uh, with a, a piece or two from the collection of Dave Barry columns. Uh, after Dave Barry, I think I'll go to uh, uh, a column from the late Mike Royko, and we'll see how much time is left. I'll finish the show today with uh, an interesting trivia piece that came from a friend about what the world looked like or what the U.S. looked like in 1910. Well, here's the, the first one I'll, I'll bring you. And that is from Dave Barry. He called this considerate guests use the gas station bathroom. I received a letter from a reader named Dick Demers, who relates a shocking story. It seems Dick and his wife had driven a long distance to visit his wife's sister. Wishing to refresh himself, Dick went into the guest bathroom, took a shower, then dried himself off. That's the story. Pretty shocking, huh? Dick's wife, though, thought so. She was horrified. You use the good towels? She said, and he had. It's a mistake many guys make. A guy will be in a guest bathroom dripping wet, and he sees a towel, and for some reason, insane reason, he thinks it was put there for guests to dry themselves with. In fact, as Dick's wife angrily pointed out to him, the towels they were supposed to use were not in the bathroom. They were, of course, in the bedroom. The towel Dick used was intended solely for decoration. Here's a similar bonehead error that guys often commit in guest bathrooms. They see soap uh, uh, on a, in a soap dish, and they use it to wash their hands. This, of course, ruins the guest soap, which is defined as soap that guests are not supposed to use. Its purpose is to match the guest towels. In his letter to me, Dick criticized this kind of thinking by comparing it to a hypothetical situation involving guys. Suppose, he wrote, that a guy is working on his car and he asks you to hand him a, a 9 16th wrench. You go over to, to some wrenches hanging on a wall and you start to take one and the guy yells, no, not those, those are for decoration. <laughs> Dick, when you put it that way, the concept of purely uh, decorative towels does seem silly, but there's actually a very logical explanation for it. Women are insane. No, no, I'm, of course, I'm just joking. There's really a good reason. I just don't know what it is. What I do know is that the practice of providing guests with the conveniences they cannot use is not limited to the bathroom. The guest bedroom is usually equipped with a, with a decorative uh, candles that you must not burn because that would ruin them. 
Also, you must never throw any waste into the decorative waste basket, which has never contained any waste and may have been waxed just prior to your arrival. If during your visit you generate waste, you should hide it in your suitcase and take it home. But the trickiest thing is the guest bed. Oh, it may have attractive pillows on it and a comfy-looking quilt, but you are not supposed to use these. You're supposed to take the pillows, which are called shams, off the bed and replace them with real pillows, which are hidden somewhere generally in the closet, which is where you're supposed to put the quilt, which is on the bed solely to match the shams and should not come into contact with your disgusting, oily guest body. If your hostess subscribes to Martha Stewart Living, the guest bed may be so massively fortified with decorative objects that it can be deconstructed for sleeping use only by a licensed interior designer. I'm talking about a bed that is surrounded by a dust ruffle and buried under a complex towering arrangement of approximately 46 shams and other decorative pillows which are on top of the quilt, which may be encased in a duvet cover and further accessorized by, these are real decorator names, a soutache, S-O-U-T-A-C-H-E, I'm not sure of the pronunciation. In extreme cases, the entire bed will be surrounded by a giant net, as if to protect it from vampire bats which will be dyed to match the duvet cover. If you as a guest encounter such a bed, do not approach it. Back slowly out of the room and sleep on the lawn. (laughs) Of course you won't encounter these problems if you're a guest in a household run by a guy, because he won't have fancy guest bedding. In fact, he won't have a guest bed. You'll sleep on the sofa under a Batman beach towel with stands dating back to the Reagan administration. In the morning, you can use this towel to dry yourself after you shower. Feel free to use the guest soap, which you can assemble yourself from ancient shards of dial on the shower floor. But to get back to Dick Demmer's letter, Dick You make a logical point about the towels, but this is not about logic. This is about etiquette. And too often, we males forget the basic underlying principle of all etiquette, which is, we are scum. So, I urge you to apologize to your wife's sister, and henceforth, show proper respect for her good towels by not treating them as if they were towels. And do not blow your nose on the shams. And that's uh, a a bit of Dave Barry's uh, thinking about how to be a considerate guest. I'm going to follow that column up with one from Mike Reichel. And 
It says here uh, that today's Mike Royko column, distributed by Tribune Media Services, was originally published in March 1991. Royko called it, Ah, spring. Wondrous time for just about anyone but Slats. Slats Grobnik came in off the street, settled down at the bar, and said, It's really getting nasty outside. Nasty? It was a perfect spring afternoon a few minutes ago. That's what I mean. You don't mean to say you don't like spring. What? Is that illegal? No, but uh, it's abnormal. Everybody likes spring. It's a symbol of so many wonderful changes in their lives. And such as, for one, freedom of movement. The winter cold no longer confines them to the indoors. They can go out and get around and do things. Yeah, that's right. All the muggers and jack rollers can come out and, and try to jump me. I was talking about the people being able to take a, to take strolls. As I recall, you need to enjoy stand you used to enjoy standing outside on a balmy day and watching the breeze swirl the skirts of young ladies. I used to, but I can't anymore because that is being insensitive and crude, and I could probably get sued for sexual harassment. Not if you don't leer, grunt, or whistle, or make lewd remarks. No, you can't even just look anymore. Last time I did that, I was leaning against the building where I work on my lunch hour, and I looked at a girl walking by, and she said, Don't gawk at me, you sexist pig. Had you gawked? Uh, not on purpose. It's just that I... I always look like I'm gawking, even when I'm asleep. And that's true. I remember your mother saying that when you were born, the doctor and nurses told her, he's a fine, healthy little gawker. I got stopped by the cops today because my taillight was burned out. We were talking about spring. Yeah, that's, that's why they stopped me. Because it's spring? Sure. Keep your eyes open. You'll see a lot more of the blue lights uh, going. I don't understand the, the connection. Simple. Just like the muggers don't like to go out when it's cold, the cops don't like it either. It's warm in, in the squad car, and they don't want to have to get out in the wind and walk to your car in the snow and slush and stand there freezing while you're trying to find your license and bond card. So the spring muggers come out and the cops come out, except the cops came after me in my burnt out little light bulb. But don't you feel any exhilaration when uh, the snow has finally melted and nature causes the, the little spring buds to come peeping out? I tell you, what I see when I the snow finally is melted, I see what my slob neighbors left behind on my lawn when they walk their, their mutts. Just 
That's why I'm working on my invention. I'll make a fortune. What kind of invention? You run a lot of uh, these little wires under your lawn. You can't see them unless you look close. But when somebody steps on them, there's a, an electric shock. You're going to, to electrocute people? Nah, no, it ain't that, that much voltage. And if they go, if they got shoes on, they won't feel it. But the dog will, and he'll let out a howl and jump 10 feet in the air. I got it just about perfected, and I'm going to get a patent. But what if a tiny child crawls on your lawn? Then the kid will learn to walk and run a lot faster than his parents expected, and they'll be proud. Isn't there anything about coming out of uh, coming of spring that inspires you? What about baseball? As Professor George Will and other intellectuals point out, baseball's opening day symbolizes the rebirth of nature, of hope, of the human spirit, or something like that. Yeah, baseball, now I got to listen to all that dumb yammering. Can the Cubs do it? Can the Sox do it? Why shouldn't they be able to do it? They're young guys. They ain't, they ain't, uh, <laughs> uh, they're young guys, ain't they? Uh, now, my old Uncle Frank, he brags that he can still do it and at his age. And if it's true, that's something worth talking about. But nobody ever asks old, if old Frank can do it. Uh, we're not talking about the same thing here, are we? Uh, maybe not, but uh, if they'd put old Uncle Frank on the pregame show and ask him if he can do it, they'd have a bigger audience, especially the old ladies. So you can't think of even one thing you like about spring? Uh, let me see. Yeah, there is one thing I like. When, when the weather turns warm, sometimes it's a lot quieter and more peaceful, and I can relax better. In your backyard? No, at the bowling alley bar. There ain't as many kids hanging out. I'm going back now to the uh, collection of Dave Barry columns. <clears throat> he called this one, Ban Cell Phones, Unless You're Attacked by a Giant Squid. It was a beautiful day at the beach. Blue sky, gentle breeze, calm sea. I knew these things uh, because a man sitting five feet from me was shouting them into his cell phone like a play-by-play -play announcer. It's a beautiful day, he shouted. The sky is blue, and there's a breeze, and the water is calm, and... Behind me, a woman, her cell phone pressed to her ear, was pacing back and forth. Quote, she didn't. She was, she was saying, no, no, she didn't. She did? Really? Are you serious? She did not. She, she did? No, she didn't. She did? No, she... And so on. The woman had two children who were frolicking in the surf. I found myself watching them because 
The woman surely was not. A giant squid could, could have surfaced and snatched the children, and this woman would not have noticed. Or if she had noticed, she'd have said, uh, listen, I have to go because a giant squid just... No, she didn't. She did? No, she... And next to me, the play-by-play -play man would have said, and a giant squid just ate two children, and I'm getting a little sunburned, and... It used to be that the major annoyance at the beach was the jerk who brought a boombox and cranked it up so loud that the bass notes caused seagulls to explode. But at least you knew where these jerks were. You never know which beachgoers have cell phones. You'll settle next to what appears to be a sleeping sunbather, or even, you hope, a corpse, and you'll sprawl happily on your towel, and you'll get all the way to the second sentence of your 467-page book before you doze off to the hypnotic surge of the surf and... Beep, beep. The corpse sits up, gropes urgently for his cell phone, and shouts, Hello? Oh, I, hi. I, I'm at the beach. Yes, the beach. Yes, it's nice. Very peaceful. Very relaxing. What? She did? No, she didn't. She did? No. Loud cell phoners never seem to get urgent calls. Never seem to get urgent calls. Just once, I'd like to hear one of them say, Hello. Yes, this is Dr. Johnson. Oh, hello, Dr. Smith. You've opened the abdominal cavity? Good. Now the appendix should be right under the... What? No, that, that's the liver. Don't take that out. <laughs> you did? Whoops. Okay, now listen very, very carefully. The good news is, some politicians want to ban cell phone use. The bad news is, they want to ban it in cars, which is the one place where innocent bystanders don't have to listen to it. Granted, drivers using cell phones may cause accidents. I gotta go because I just ran over a man, and he's bleeding from the... What? She did? No, she didn't. She did? No, she... But frankly, don't believe the drivers yakking on their cell phones. I don't, I frankly don't believe that the drivers yakking on the cell phones are nearly as dangerous as drivers with babies in the back seat. I'm one of those drivers, and we're definitely a menace. Especially when our baby has dropped her Elmo doll and is screaming to get it back. And we're steering with one hand while groping under the back seat with the other. Groping for Elmo would be a good name for a rock band. So uh, we should, as long uh, we should, as a long overdue safety measure, ban babies. But that's not my point. The point is that there is good news on the cell phone front, which is that several companies, including Image Sensing Systems and Netline, are selling devices that jam cell phone circle, <laughs> sorry, cell phone signals. Yes, these devices broadcast 
uh, a signal that causes every cell phone in the immediate vicinity to play the 1974 hit song, Kung Fu Fighting. No, that would be too wonderful, but really, these devices would start at uh, around $900, cause all nearby cellular phones to register no service. Unfortunately, there's a catch because of some outfit calling itself the Federal Communications Commission. The cell phone jamming device devices are illegal in the United States. I say this stinks. I say we should all contact our congresspersons and tell them that if they want to make it up to the us customers for foisting those lousy low-flow toilets on us, they should put down their in, in, interns for a minute and pass a law legalizing these devices, at least for beach use. I realize that some of you may disagree with me. I realize you have solid reasons, perhaps life and death reasons, why you must have your cell phone uh, working at all times, everywhere. If you're one of those people, please believe me when I say this. I can't hear you. <laughs> okay, we have a few minutes before we have to close our show. Uh, and I'm going to read to you a, a piece that came from a friend yesterday entitled 1910 Ford. There's a photo of an old 1910 Ford car. Make sure you read all the statistics under the photo. Okay, I will. Uh, the, the, uh, here are some statistics for the year 1910, and it applies to the uh, USA. The average life expectancy for men was 47 years. Fuel for this car was sold in drugstores only. Only 14% of the homes had a bathtub. Only 8% of the homes had a telephone. There were only 8,000 cars and, uh, and only 144 miles of paved roads. The maximum speed limit in most cities was 10 miles per hour. The tallest structure in the world was the Eiffel Tower. The average U.S. wage in 1910 was 22 cents per hour. The average U.S. worker made between $200 and $400 a year. A competent accountant could expect to earn $2,000 per year. A dentist, $2,500 per year. A veterinarian, between $1,500 and $4,000 per year. And a mechanical engineer, about $5,000 per year. More than 95% of all births took place at home. 90% of all doctors had no college education. Instead, they attended so-called medical schools, many of which were condemned in the, uh, in the press and the government as substandard. Sugar costs four cents a pound. Eggs were 14 cents a dozen. Coffee was 15 cents a pound. Most women only washed their hair once a month and used 
borax or egg yolks for shampoo. There was no such thing as underarm deodorant or toothpaste. Canada passed a law that prohibited poor people from entering their country for any reason. The five leading causes of death were 1. Pneumonia and influenza, 2. Tuberculosis, 3. Diarrhea, and 4. Heart disease, and 5. Stroke. The American flag had 45 stars. The population of Las Vegas, Nevada was only 30. Crossword puzzles, canned beer, iced tea hadn't been invented yet. There was no Mother's Day or Father's Day. Two out of every ten adult adults couldn't read or write, and only 6% of all Americans had graduated from high school. 18% of households had at least one full-time servant or domestic help. There were 230 reported murders in the entire USA. I'm now going to forward this to someone else without typing myself. From here, it will be sent to others all over the world, and, and all in a matter of seconds. Try to imagine what it may look like in another 100 years. Okay, folks, I think we're just about out of time, so I'm going to close up this uh, this show today, and uh, thank you for joining me. I hope you found the, uh, the readings interesting, and I hope you'll join me again for the next time that I do uh, The Lighter Side. I'm Jerry Podgorski. Until next time, take care. Bye now. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.